keeping that. No. <laughs> Welcome to the South Gastonia Lifeline Podcast, a raw discussion about real-world stuff that's relevant to you and to God. Now your hosts, Michael Phillips, Chad Privet, and Alex Cash. So it's just me and Alex. Sorry to disappoint people. Sorry, everybody. Michael has a big fan club. Michael does have a big fan club. I'm a part of that fan club. Michael's a beast. He is. He's the GOAT. Of all time. All time. Well, I threw something on Alex. The most listened to podcast yet was Michael's story. Right. And there's kind of no way we're not trying to top anything because everybody's story is different. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of good to know who your hosts are. Mm-hmm. Like personally. Yeah. And know that we aren't perfect. Because none of us are trying to act perfect. And if we are, please let us know. <laughs> that, that is not that is not our end game. By any means. But so I asked Alex, you know, the past two weeks we have been doing the Sending Anxiety Back to Hell series. And now I'm giving him anxiety doing this one because we're going to take a break for just a week and talk about Alex. <laughs> You know, Adrian preached something um, last Sunday that said, you know, people who are godly, you know, don't talk about themselves. But in this case, we're not necessarily talking about ourselves, but we're talking about what God has done through us. Right, yeah. There's a difference. There's a difference. So, Alex. Chad. Just take it away. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Oh, man. So, Chad, when you asked me about doing this episode this podcast and um you know i was always like oh okay it's you know it, it shouldn't be that bad and then you sent me the artwork for it and i was like oh lord this is like serious this is this is about to happen and so i freaked out man i freaked out and um you know chad had just asked me basically he was like hey you know why don't we we, we had michael's story and you know we want to get to know our, our host and want everybody who listen listens to be able to hear and know who are who who they're listening to and their personal stories and stuff. And so Chad was like, Alex, I want to do you know Alex's story, and um, I've like, I've been a wreck ever since because I don't know. It's it's like everybody has has a different story, like we like you said, and uh, not everybody's story is the same. Obviously, and it doesn't have to be, and it's not a bad thing either that everybody doesn't come from the same background, doesn't struggle with the same things, and um, have the have the same experiences. So it's good to be able to hear um, from other people's perspectives of their lives. And um, when I got to thinking about it, Chad, I was like, man, my story is nothing compared to Michael's, like nothing. And uh, I just really let the enemy just have his way with it and, and make me feel bad and stuff. And so I've been really uh, anxious about this. But I guess just, I mean, just starting with it, um, you know, my name is Alex Cash. <laughs> I was born in 1997, uh, so I'm not a 2000s baby, but uh, I am a 90s baby, so hey, shout hey. out to all the 90s. And, um, and uh, you know, my birth in general was, was pretty pretty intense. Um, you know, my mom and my, uh, my dad, uh, you know, they were together, and, you know, they, my sister, I have an older sister named Paige, uh, some people know her as Erica, but she's Paige. She always will be Paige. 
I don't care what you know she tries <laughs> to put on. She's she's paid, and uh, at least to me. And um, you know, my mom was pregnant with me, and it's coming into July, and uh, she was you know she she gave birth to me. But the the issue that occurred was that I I was diagnosed with RSV. Um, it's like a respiratory virus, and it's uh, pretty intense, highly contagious and stuff. And me being an a, a inf- an infant child, um, it wasn't looking too good. It wasn't looking too good. The um, doctors at the time, uh, they had told my mom and my dad that pretty much, Alex, you know, your son, it's, it's not looking good. His lungs are, are pretty bad, in pretty bad shape. And he only has about a 80% chance. I mean, he has an 80% chance that he's, he's going to die. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not good odds in a lot of, a lot of sense. And I know a lot of people, you know, 80% chance that he's going to die, 20% chance that your son can, can make it through this. And so my parents and stuff was pretty, you know, they were, they were pretty distraught about it and pretty upset. Um, and they were going to church at the time and their pastor was uh jack ford i don't know if a lot of people know who jack ford is some know especially around this area and um jack ford you know he came in and he you know uh, came into ministering with my my parents and talk to them about it and, and pray over me and pray with them. And this is something that my mom didn't really disclose to me until later on in my life. Um, this particular part, I've always knew that, I, that, you know, I was going to, I was diagnosed with this at a young age, very young and it wasn't looking good and it's probably not going to make it. And he came in and he prayed over, you know, my parents and he prayed over me and, uh, God really just used him. And he told my parents, uh, he was like, you know, Alex is going to get through this. He said, because God has something special in store for his life. Uh, God wants to use him and he's going to get through this. There's, you know, God, God has a, has a special plan for him. My parents, you know, they didn't tell me anything about this. And so, um, until later on in my life, but, uh, eventually, you know, obviously, as you can tell here, listening to me right now, uh, I was able to make it through. God brought me through that, uh, really tough time in in my life. Uh, devils really was fighting me pretty much at birth. Uh, you know, it was, it was scary, uh, especially to my parents. They were, I mean, they were really scared. And, um, like I said, 80% chance to die is not good odds. Uh, so, you know, made it through that, you know, grew up, um, probably about by the time I was one or so, I mean, my parents had, my, my biological parents, they had separated, uh, divorced and my mom married my, uh, my stepdad, Ray, shout out to Ray, love him with all of my heart. Uh, he's been, in my mom's been a guest since I was one. And, um, you know, raised me in a really good home. I mean, I, I didn't come from, you know, a really bad uh, home with bad parents who were, you know, who did this or that or, you know, didn't really, you know, really care about their children or, you know, neglected us in any way. Uh, my parents really did care about me. And um, my mom and and Ray really put the, put us, me and Paige, their children, um, over themselves uh, in a lot of areas. And um, that's something that, I, you know, I hope that one day when I grow up and stuff that I'll be able to uh, do the same thing for my kids. But they really instilled a lot of things in me and taught me how to be a young man and taught me, you know, how to respect other people and 
how to treat people right. And so growing up, I was growing up in, in you know, pretty much a, a really good home. And uh, we was going to, uh, trying to think, the earliest church that I could recall going to and being at was here at South when I was really young. Um, I went to v I went to BCA, uh, went to the daycare back when the old youth house used to be the daycare. I went there. Um, I went through daycare, uh, kindergarten, uh, pre-academy, kindergarten, and uh, for a little bit of first grade over at Victory. And then finally, I was uh, my parents made the decision and because and, the drive, we live in Cherville, so we live, you know, about 30, 35 minutes away from Gastonia. And so with all of that, they decided, you know, it's just best to put us in, in public school. And um, I left VCA in first grade uh, and started at Cherville Elementary, uh, Cherville Elementary for, you know, all sure. uh, people who are from Cherville. If you're not from Cherville uh, and you pronounce it Cherryville, you're wrong. It's not Cherryville. Uh, it's Cherville. That's really good if you can get it in one syllable. That's really good. Cherville. But, you know, Cherville. But anyway, so um, I went to Cherville Elementary and, uh, you know, grew up there. I had a, um, it's kind of funny, I had a really bad talking problem when I was a kid. Believe it or not, you know, I, I sometimes now I, I hardly ever talk. But I had a really bad talking problem when I was a kid. And my parents, uh, you know, my teachers would always say he talks a lot, talks a lot. Good kid, but he talks too much. And they really started making, um, you know, trying to figure out how to get him pretty much to be quiet. And so my, my mom and them made a good uh, good idea of the teacher, you know, just make him read or something. Put put, uh, put him in a book and uh, give him a book to read. And um, from there, it really just birthed my, my love for reading. Um, at a young age, so I was really, you know, I, I used to read a whole lot, and I was growing up in the public school system, making friends, you know, first, second grade, third grade, uh, you know, nothing really crazy happened in, in those younger, younger stages of my life, um, started wearing glasses in third grade, uh, so, I mean, that was crazy, but, um, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy happened at, in my younger ages until, the uh until i was about eight or nine years old um at the time of this uh i was in fifth grade uh at beam at beam intermediate in Cherville, and my um, grandmother my mom's mom she she lived with us and um this woman i'm telling you she she was a a saint she was such the she was such a nice person um, she would give you the, you know, the shirt off her back if she could, um, always put me and my sister first above everything. And, and she loved us so much. Uh, and I miss her to death. Uh, but in, uh, when I was in fifth grade, um, she got her health declined really bad. And she, she unfortunately, um, didn't make it. Uh, she passed. She went to hospice, well, well, to backtrack this, my grandma wasn't saved, wasn't a Christian. Um, she, she, you know, didn't feel like God could love her. She felt so unworthy of God's love with all the bad stuff that she's done in her life. And, oh man, the stories I could tell uh, of her. And um, before, you know, we had a, she had to go to the hospital for some reason. And my, my memory doesn't serve very well. Like I said, I was so young then at the time. My mom and my dad could tell you uh, more than I could. Uh, but she had a hospital. I think she had to have surgery. 
something to do with her leg, I believe, but she was, you know, on her way home. My mom was bringing her home. And my mom t tells me, she was said on the way home, uh, you know, mama had looked at her and, and said, Deborah, you know, slow down. And my mom's like, why, why do I gotta slow down? I'm trying to get you home. And she was like, no, slow down. She said, because I wanna see all of this just one more time. And uh, my mom said she didn't think nothing about it at the time. Uh, but now, you know, now looking back, she kind of understood why. Because she kind of knew that she wasn't, my, my grandma knew, I guess she wasn't going to make it through it. And uh, we ended up having like a, a hospital bed in our house for her. She couldn't do much of nothing on her own. And uh, eventually hospice was called in and uh, they took her to hospice. And she was there for probably about a day, day or two. And... Um, you know, me and my, me and my mom picked us up. They are my. They took us to go see her. Me and Ray went home. Uh, got up the next morning and went back to where she was. And um, when I got there, you know, my mom just leaned in and you know told her that we're all here. You know, Alex and Ray's back. They're here. And I went and told her I loved her. And uh, at that point, she, you know, wasn't about a couple minutes later. She she took her last breath. And to see that it, it was really hard because this is somebody I just admired. I admire. She taught me so much and, and really where I got my sense of humor from to be able to laugh in the midst of, of pain and, and sorrow. Cause she, man, she went through so much and, um, seeing that, seeing her passing really, really hurt. And, and I was so young, um, her and my sister were probably a, a lot more closer than me and, my mama was, but uh, in my eyes, man, I, I idolized this this woman. Uh, she was she was like the perfect human being, in my opinion. But uh, to backtrack again, I keep forgetting this this major key component in this story with her is that the day the, the day before she we the day before hospice was called in, uh, Ray went into her room and was really talking to her and really you know, telling her about, about Jesus and, and they was in there for hours and eventually thank thankfully, uh, there in that hospital bed, my grandma gave her heart to Christ. Um, and the next days when she went into hospice and was in that, that, that coma state and, um, was about a day later, she was there and I believe that a shadow of a doubt that she was there in the presence of of God when she took her last breath and really made it to heaven. I I believe it with everything in me because she was sincere and and I'm so thankful. You know I hate that she didn't get to enjoy the the benefits and the 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 abundant life that Christ can offer, but the fact that even on that pretty much that deathbed that she was able to accept Him into her heart to be able to uh, to make that decision and and then, you know, pretty much not be able to do anything after that. It was just, you know, accepted Christ next day, went to hospice, was in a really bad state, and then boom, she passed away. Um, but I struggled with that very, very hard. I, um, you know, I, I, I questioned God, you know, I was very upset, very distraught. Um, you know, I, like I said, I loved her so much. And uh, continuing on with with this, I, I, I you know I dealt with that for a little bit, and so to this day I miss her miss her so much. But it just makes heaven so much sweeter knowing that she's she's there waiting for waiting for me and my family. Uh, and man, I can't wait to embrace her uh, when that day soon, very soon when it comes. But moving moving on in this in this you know this story of my life um, that was in happened in fifth grade. 
And then now I went into sixth grade and I was in and still in public school, just started middle school at uh, John Chavis Middle School in Cherubal. And, um, you know, sixth grade was pretty okay. Seventh grade, you know, around this time I started to uh, find myself around some 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 friends, people I grew up with, people I, I grew up from first grade on um, and and started, you know, becoming a, a teenager you know, dabbling in different things, you know, being rebellious, like, rebellious, I guess, is the, yeah, I think it's the correct word, how you would say it, and, um, you know, rebelling against my parents, in a sense, and, you know, doing things that I knew I, they wouldn't be proud of, they wouldn't be happy of, and hanging around people, and listening to, to different kinds of music, um, and watching whatever I wanted to watch on, on TV, and playing video games, and man, video games was such an addiction to me, uh, but we'll, you know, we'll talk about, uh, that and later on in this but um man, I, I was really addicted to that but um moving moving on past seventh grade you know really starting to to venture out into the world we wasn't going to church anywhere uh i mean we would go to like first baptist every once in a while uh but then it got to the point where we kind of wasn't going to church anywhere and um my parents were working all the time uh ray worked at the sheriff's department in Charlotte at Mecklenburg County uh, Sheriff's Department. And then eventually my mom got a job up there as well. And so they were in and out all the time. Their their schedules was crazy. Now, you know, and here I am now in eighth grade and my parents would one month they'd work third shift. So they sleep all day and work all night. And then the next month they alternated shifts every month. And the next month they would work first shift. And then so they would be working all day and come home and sleep all night. And it really took a toll on them, took a toll on Ray and his body. He did it for so long. Uh, my mom did too. And um, pretty much at this point, it was just me and me and Paige. And um, everybody sees me and Paige now. So, you know, you know how me and Paige are now. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's my sister and um, I love her to death, but at this time in my life in eighth grade when my parents were working so much and it was just me and Paige she was older than me she had a car you know she had her license but she was really trying to pretty much be the the mom at at the house uh at least in my eyes and my parents didn't try to make it make that happen or didn't want that to happen in, in in a sense but at least in my eyes that's kind of how it was and so man I really despised her I really, man, me and I couldn't stand Paige. We got on each other's nerves. She got on my nerves. I got on her nerves. Um, you know, we didn't communicate. We didn't talk. You know, if we did, we'd argue. Um, you know, she'd always, always try to tell me, you know, who you think you are? Who do you think you are? And I always look at her and tell her, I'm Alex Scott Cash. Who do you think you are? And I, you know, I just, that was just our, our bickering and arguing we did all the time. So I really didn't, I really didn't like her at the time. Uh, but I love her to death now. And I mean, I still love her then. She was still my sister, but we did not get along. She was trying to be the parent and I'm being, you know, 13, 14 years old. I'm like, you're not about to tell me what to do. You know, <laughs> that's that's how it was. I didn't want to, I didn't want her to tell me, you know, what to do. I wanted to be my own person. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so around this time in eighth grade, I was about 14 years old or so. Um, you know, I was really involved with a lot of different friends and uh you know not the best not the best people when I mean, we was young we was we was having fun cutting up you know laughing enjoying life uh but then at one point in my life um alcohol became involved 
And so I had my, my first sip or so um, of alcohol uh, at, at 14 years old. You know, I wasn't out partying and binge drinking and nothing like that, but it's still, you know, that, that still was there. That desire was still there after I had that first sip. And so I did it every once, you know, every once in a while or, you know, I, I went to a friend's house and, uh, you know, we would drink over there and um, had the opportunity at, at, at a young age to be able to, to, to smoke uh, weed. Um, didn't, though. I didn't. Um, I, you know, I was something about me just didn't sit right with it. I guess I don't know if it was my, my anxiety or my nerve, you know, me being nervous. I was like, I don't know. I, I could have, but I, I didn't, uh, thankfully. And, um, really around in this age, this is, <laughs> this is one of the things, man. This is one of the things that I, I was, I, I was having, a, I was struggling with when thinking about talking about this story. Um, but you know, here at the the Lifeline podcast, man, we want to we want to be raw. We want to be honest. We want to be real with with ourselves sitting around this table talking and and be real with those who are listening. So, um, at a very young age, um, I had an addiction. Man, I had an addiction, and um, just to to throw it out there. Uh, my addiction that I had was uh, pornography, and um, man, it's it, it sucked. Um, it was something that I struggled with for a long time. Uh, I mean, a long time. Started at a at a very early age. Uh, unfortunately, it's 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 evil. It's 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 um, filthy. It's it's vile. It's, it's disgusting, and. Um, you know, it, I, looking back on it, man, I was so ashamed uh, to even, you know, talk about it or mention it to anybody. And this is something that nobody else has ever heard before. No one else knows. Um, you know, this is something that I've always kept between just just me and my parents um, because they would I would always deny it. I always, you know, they might have had questions or concerns or like, no, no, that's not me. No, that's not me. No, that's not me. And, you know, um, really struggled with it for, for the longest time and just really hid it. That was my secret addiction. That was my secret sin. Um, think back, everybody, and I'm not saying everybody has a secret sin, but, um, you know, I guess that's what my, my struggle that I had in my life. And in eighth grade, you know, the end, the year ended and, uh, you know, going into to the summer, I'm in like the peak of me, you know, being you know, rebelling and, and not listening and, and doing my own thing and stuff, I guess. And um, my sister, uh, which is somebody we really need to sit down and talk with. I'm going to throw it out there on your page. And uh, she decided for some crazy reason, I'm going into ninth grade, freshman year of high school, fixing to go in into terrible high school. I was super excited. Uh, new school, new, new people and stuff. And she was going into her senior year of high school. And um, for some crazy reason, Chad, she was like, I think I want to graduate high school from Victory Christian Academy. And her and my parents kind of had this, you know, this talk about it. And obviously I was not a part of this meeting that they had, uh, which I'm still upset about to this day. <laughs> I was, I'm, I was so, I'm telling you, I'm still upset about it. I, I missed this memo of this meeting that was, that transpired between them. And uh, they decided uh, against my better, you know, against my judgment and my opinion 
that they uh, were going to put me and Paige back at Victory. And, uh, man, I was mad. Oh, I was so mad. I had a girlfriend at the time. Man, I was, I was around all my friends I grew up with. And now, you know, fixing going to Terrible High School and, and do this and do that. And all the opportunities and all the people that I've always grown up. I mean, literally grow, grew up with. Um, you know, uh, family to me. Uh, really close friends. They, they, you know, abruptly stopped my plans and, and put me somewhere where I didn't want to go. And so they enrolled us at Victory, and at this time, um, me and Paige started going back to church uh, here at South at the youth group. And um, man, 2011, uh, right around in July, late July, and um, we started going to youth, went to a couple of services. You know, uh, at one point, I don't know if you remember this or not. At one point, we had like a, um, man, like a all night midnight prayer meeting or something over at the youth youth house. Uh, I think I think that's the case. Uh, but we man, we went to those um, or went to that, and um, you know, Paige started being on the on the praise team and stuff. But in one of those services um, that night, I uh, God saw me there. In my brokenness, in my hurt, in my loneliness, and in, in the the place where I was at as a as a teenager, um, thought I had my whole life planned out. Thought I had my whole entire life planned out. Knew exactly what I wanted to do when I graduated. Knew exactly the the college and career that I wanted to take. Man, I wanted to be in in uh, a mechanic. And I mean, I ain't never worked on a car a day in my life. And um, but that's just what I wanted to do. I wanted to go there and you know. As long as they're making cars, they're going to break down and someone's got to fix them. So might as well be a mechanic, man. There must be good money in that somewhere. So thought I was going to go to, you know, different schools and then become a mechanic and not just work on cars, but work on motorcycles and stuff. And um, that's, what, that's what I wanted to do. But thought I had everything planned out in my life. But God really shook me to my core to for me to realize that, man, the life that he has planned out for me is so far beyond anything I could ever imagine um where I was that I was broken I mean he showed me things that I didn't even realize I was in I was hurting and I was in pain and uh I was lonely you know I struggled with you know that loneliness and we've talked about it before depression and anxiety and and um really just at a at a point in my life to where I I thought I had everything planned out but realized I couldn't do it on my own that I need a savior and we all need a savior and that Savior is Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins on Calvary. And with, you know, the, the blood that he shed, uh, it can wash our sins away. And so I, I cried out to God there. And, I mean, I could still envision exactly where I was at. We, you know, in the kitchen area where the checkered floor is at, um, you know, we had set off in the side was the, where the praise team was. But to the if you're looking at the, the singers to the right, we had that small little kitchen area. And you remember that little door frame that was there, but no door. Uh, I sat on the inside of the kitchen, kneeled down right there, with my back against the wall. And um, I just I just prayed and asked God into my heart at 14 years old. And so 
now started going to church, started being involved in youth and, and going to church with my sister. Um, you know, she got saved. Uh, thank the Lord. And then, <laughs> and then my, we got my parents back in church and, you know, they, they rededicated their lives to, to Christ and stuff and started really going to church and being really involved. And then, you know, started going to victory. Didn't like it. Um, still upset about it, but then, you know, I was, I, I realized the, 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 the end goal. I realized the, the bigger picture of it all that if I would have stayed where I was at, at, at that point in my life and, and being in, uh, the circle of friends and the people that I was connected with and stuff and everybody I knew, um, I would have been in a terrible place. I would have been in a really, really bad place. Um, probably, you know. I always never thought that I'd, you know, make it, you know, at some make it in, in life and, and live at a certain point. Um, you know, looking back now, a lot of people that I've I've known for so long, uh, they're, you know, either addicted to drugs or alcoholics, you know, in jail, um, things of that nature. And that was the path that I was going down. That was the path that I, you know, my life was going to eventually take that turn. And, and that summer of 2011 was kind of like the fork in the road. And, and you know, uh, thankfully against, you know, my wheel, I was drugged down the right path instead of uh, following my plan and, and taking the, the wrong path. And so um, started going to victory and started becoming, you know, friends with people and really looked up to Miss Franklin and uh, Mr. Johnson and uh really looked up to them uh as teachers and they you know they poured into me and stuff and year went by been been saved about a year now um turned 15 um in 2012 yeah 2012 turned the summer 2012 turned 15 and then um and that that year um uh, my life really changed my, my plan for my life really changed because at that point I had no idea what I was going to do now. Like I got saved. What, what am I going to do with my life now? Like what's next? I thought I had everything planned out, but now God, like now, what am I supposed to do? And, uh, you know, three months after I got saved, I, I got filled with the whole, you know, uh, filled with the Holy ghost. And, uh, man, wow. September 28th of 2011. I still remember the day life-changing man life-changing but a, a year after that um school hadn't started back up yet for my sophomore year and um we was in a youth service one wednesday night and man we had some powerful services i know chad and could attest to that too man we had some powerful services there um and still do not you know it's just not at the youth house but man if you are not in youth at south gastonia church of god a part of extreme focus youth group you are missing out i mean missing out we our services man are just are phenomenal mind-blowing and uh the things god is doing is 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 not ridiculous but the things god's doing is just it's it's you know amazing and a year has passed um been saved for a year no idea what i'm gonna do with my life at this point and god uh we was in a in a youth service one wednesday night and pretty bad storm uh, hit Gastonia and a lot of areas around here. And uh, we was over there and, you know, Adrian then was all there at the time. And a lot of people 
uh, you know, it was, it was going on and done different ministries and stuff, uh, were there. And, um, uh, Adrian was, I believe Adrian was going to preach that night and the, the power went out, uh, at the youth house. Uh, the storm just knocked out the power over there. And I mean, it was, it was, it was dark. It was raining. It was, it was nasty outside. But, you know, we had just started service and um, praise team did no power, no, no instruments, can't do nothing. And uh, I mean, I still remember it so vividly. It's crazy. Adrian got out his phone and uh, he, he had, must have had some, I forgot what it was, some app or something where a, where a keyboard was there. And he hit a note trying to find the key that he's fixing to sing in. And uh, man, he started singing Set a Fire Down in My Soul. Uh, you know, I love that song. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And he started singing that. And man, God just really started moving in that service and moving in our lives. And God was touching uh, people right where they were in the middle of this storm that was going on. And we didn't want to end service right there. Uh, you know, service had ended in the sanctuary. Um, and we was like, you know what, God's moving and stuff. Let's take this and let's go across the, or across the parking lot and let's go into the sanctuary. And there, God really was, was moving, man. People were praying. We was walking around the church, praying for people, praying for each other and praying for ourselves and just really find ourselves in, uh, in the presence of God that night. And I remember that I went down. And I laid down in a pew and I could take you to the pew uh, that I was in. If you're looking at, from the stage into the congregation, it's on the right side, probably probably about like two pews back from where, you know, um, uh, Brooke and all them sit and, and a couple of uh, like probably about two pews back from there. And I just laid, laid down in the pew and I was just really praying and just really just basking in the in God's presence. And man, still this day, Chad, it's crazy. But God spoke to me that night and he said, Alex, I want you to preach. And I was like, what? <laughs> Hello? Did, wait, hold on. Did I hear you hear you correctly? And I was like, there is no way. There's no way. I can't preach. You know, I, I struggled with the stutter for the longest time. And, and, you know, got really shy and bashful if I had to, you know, speak in front of people. I could talk to someone one-on-one, -on -one, laugh, cut up, do all that. I'll do all that. But if you got me in front of, you know, 10 or plus so people and had to speak in front of someone, man, forget about a class presentation. I would lose it. And so um, I was like, I don't know. I don't know, Lord. I have no idea. But if that's you talking to me right now, again, I'm 15 years old. If that is you talking to me right now. You got to confirm that. You got to let me know that that is you speaking to me. And I went down and, and service was wrapping up. And Adrian was asking, you know, if anybody else need to be prayed for and stuff before we dismissed. And I went up and I was like, you know, I just, I told Adrian I needed prayer and, and started praying. And God spoke, you know, Adrian, God, Adrian was, God used Adrian to tell me that Alex, that's my voice. That is me. And from there, man, I just lost it. I was, <laughs> I just lost it. Lost. Oh man, I was out. I was out, crying, speaking the tongue. Man, I was slain. I was just, I was just on the floor on the altar, uh, for a good little bit, man. 
But after that point, 15, you know, saved at 14, filled the Holy Ghost at 14, God called me to preach at 15. It was, it was crazy, but I had no idea what I was going to do. You know, um, thinking back and seeing preachers, looking at Brother Gilly, <clears throat> Pastor Gilly, and, uh, you know, Adrian and, and Miss Franklin and Mr. Franklin and all them preaching on, man, I can't live up to that. I can't do that. There's no, there's no way. And the enemy really used that against me for the longest time. Like, there's just no way that, you know, how can you, how can you preach at 15 years old? Uh, who's going to listen to a 15 year old? And they've been, they've been saved for 30 plus years. Who, what, what are you going to say that they ain't having art? What are you going to say that they have not already heard? And, uh, all I know is that after that moment, I'm like, all right, God, if this is what you want me to do, then you just gotta, you just, we just gotta do this thing. And so I know I went to to Miss Franklin. Uh, I, this is like a, like the week the week before school started. School started, and I went to her. I said, hey, Miss Franklin, you know, God, God, feel like you know, God has called me to preach, and if you ever needed, you know, somebody else uh, couldn't make it or something, if you need someone to to preach one day uh, in chapel, you know, I I'd love to preach. And she was like, sure, you know, let's do it. And then she turned to her, her desk and she looked on the schedule and she was like, how about this day? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, let's do that. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting that type of answer that fast. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll think about it and stuff. But it was like, you know, there it is, here it is. And so I remember, you know, 15 years old, preached my first sermon in a, in a chapel service at Victory, uh, talked about being a martyr for Christ. Um, you know, laying our lives down if it ever if it came down to it, and you know what it meant to what it meant to to live for Christ. And uh, man, that sermon probably lasted all about ten minutes. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That's that was the shortest sermon. I read it verbatim, straight off the piece. I didn't I didn't have any spacing. I, I didn't have paragraphs. I had like three three pages of notes that I just wrote down I, for the longest time for years. I'd always just handwrite my notes, my sermon notes. And uh, I just read it straight off the paper. I was, my heart was beating out my chest. I was so nervous, but I was like, you know what, God, this is what you want me to do. And this is what I'll do. And so from there, God really just, just started, you know, one thing after the next, God started opening up doors in my life. Um, God, you know, I was able to start preaching at uh, some youth services here at South and then, you know, started growing up and going through high school and still dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with my, my insecurities and stuff. But, you know, God started opening up doors in my life for me uh, to be able to preach. But, you know, still going back to something that I shared with, with you know, you earlier, uh, that secret, that secret sin, that secret addiction. Uh, man, it really, it really, it really put a toll on, on me uh, mentally. And I, I struggled with it for the longest time. You know, God, this, I know this, you know, I know this ain't right. I never do it again. Never do it again, God. Um, and, you know, how... You know, if you're not staying in the word, staying, staying prayed up and, and really just allowing God to to work and mold us into his image and the person that he wants us to be, then we uh, we allow the enemy to come in. And, um, you know, I, I, I would do good, uh, but I'd find myself isolated, um, you know, times when I was by myself, nobody around is the worst times. Uh, for me personally, not just, you know, dealing with, with that at the time, just in general, I don't like being, uh, by myself anywhere. I like being busy. 
I like being active. I like doing stuff. Um, you know, as, as that old saying goes, idle hands is the devil's workshop. Man, I, I fully believe that because he will, he will fight you and fight you and fight you when you are by yourself, when you are alone. That's why it's so important to have uh, friends and people around you to go do stuff with, good Christian friends to go do stuff with. And that you don't stay isolated. You want to, if you're going through a rut, get yourself out there. Don't just lay in the bed all day or lay around the house all day. Be active. Do something. Get your mind off of it and get it focused on God and go be productive and do something and accomplish even the smallest goals in your life. Set a goal. Wake up. Make your bed. Man, you already, you've already done something that so many Americans in the world or people in the world in general already don't do. So you've already achieved a milestone. You woke up and you made your bed that morning. So, you know, be active, be productive. Um, but it got to the point to where I was still struggling with this addiction. And um, um, it got to the point to where my parents, you know, I guess they were starting to notice things and see things. And, um, you know, I'd hide it, man. I'd hide it so well. I, I, I would, I would, I would not let it, you know, nobody would, would have ever thought, um, you know, that's what I, I, I struggled with. Um, I guess it's a sense of just being alone. The loneliness feeling, I guess, is an outlet or that, you know, that addiction to pornography is like an outlet for people who are feeling alone or feeling lonely. And, um, that's what I, that's, that's I, now looking back on it, that's what it was. I was, I guess I was just trying to fill that empty void of being alone, uh, being, and being isolated and stuff. But, um, it got to the point to where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to lie about it anymore and I wasn't going to try to, to hide it. And my parents, you know, they sat me down and man, they just got to talking and talking and talking and was trying to just really get it out of me and, and figure, you know, Alex, I feel like there's something going on. I feel like there's something that you're not telling us. And, um, you know, I, I sat there in the living room and I cried and I was, I was angry, but I was holding it back. I was holding it back because I didn't want them to know. I, I, I just, I didn't want anybody to know. I just wanted to be like, this is what I struggle with by myself. No one else needs to know this is my battle. Um, I, no one needs to fight this for me or with me. Let me fight this on my own. But in the grand scheme of things, I was losing that battle. Uh, trying to fight it on my own, but I had to sit there that 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 night, and I told my parents, and you know I I looked my mom in the eye, and looked Ray in the eye, and tell them that you know this is what I this is yeah, this is my addiction, this is what I struggle with, and in that moment you feel like you guys you would feel relief that you finally got it off your chest, that you finally got something that you've been hiding for so long, but Chad man I. I couldn't even I, I couldn't even look look them in the eye. The amount of shame and guilt that that I had, it, oh man, it was awful. It was so bad. I like trying to think how am I gonna how am I gonna recover from this? How am I gonna get past this? You know, I'm supposed to be saved and 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 all this stuff and you know uh, I'm struggling with this and I just felt so shameful for that, that, um, I just didn't even know what my parents would even think. And thankfully I have amazing parents. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I would want anybody else to be my mom and dad, anything in the world, just them. Um, you know, they, they didn't beat me down. They didn't ridicule me and, you know, 
punish me and, and shame me even more. They, they showed love and compassion and they poured wisdom into me um, that they've learned and they really, you know, not embraced it as, oh, well, this is, you know, this is okay. It's not okay. That having that addiction is not okay. Um, and you can sit back and try to justify this or that about it, about watching it, but it's not, it's a sin. It is, there's nothing of God in that at all whatsoever. Um, and they, they, they didn't justify it by any means, none whatsoever, but they, I feel like they did exactly what they needed to do. And that's to show their love and forgiveness and grace, uh, that night. And from there, um, you know, it was everything perfect uh, by any by any means. It was not, but uh, I can safely say and you know proudly say at this moment in my life, and it's been it's been a while that God had, had fully delivered me from this addiction. I finally was able to surrender and let it all go and say, God, you know, I'm done with this, and this is not of you. This is not what you want me to to have in my life. You know, if I want to draw closer to you, if I want to be successful and, and be used of you, God, then I got to get rid of everything else in my life that is not of you. And this was something that took such a stronghold in my life. But I laid it down at the altar and I said, God, no more. This is it. This is this is no more. And God had had delivered me from that from that addiction. And uh, man, the, the freedom from it. But um, if I could give any tip uh to any parents that are maybe listening to this, um, you know, I'm not, not knocking anything, uh, my parents whatsoever. You got to do what you got to do to make ends meet. And, you know, we all got to work and we all got bills to pay. Uh, but parents stop leaving your kids at home. I'm going to just say it. Some people may not agree with this. Uh, some parents, some people may be like, well, you know, what is he talking about? Stop leaving your teenage kids at home by themselves because uh, just speaking from my own personal experience like I said the enemy will fight you and fight you and fight you when you were alone by yourself and if you want your kids to, 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 to grow in Christ then you need to be that example for them and you know be there for them as much as you can uh, but for me personally that's just my opinion everybody else may hate me you know Think something else, and that's okay. We all we're all entitled to our opinions. I'm not here to say that I'm right and you're wrong, or that you're right and I'm wrong. But this is just from my personal experience. I would just as a helpful tip, if you start seeing some things in your kid that you know is maybe it's, you know something's going on and not telling you, stop leaving them at home. Uh, be there for your kids and and be there with them and don't let them be there by themselves. Take them out with you. I know everybody needs a break. I get that 100%. I understand. But, you know, be be a family. We got to get back to the family dynamics of, of you know, parents and their children uh, sitting together and eating together and, and, and talking with one another. And communication is key. In my life, I felt like I couldn't communicate to my parents. I felt like I couldn't tell them these things of how I was struggling and what I was going through. But uh, it's in those times of being open and communicating with them that I really had the biggest uh, deliverance and biggest relief in my life. Uh, is when times where I felt like I couldn't share things with my parents, but I was, I was, when I did things, things worked out a lot better. So parents, please be there for your kids. My parents were, um, and that's, that's a tip of advice I can give, but, um, moving on, I guess from there, um, you know, graduated from victory at 
2015. So shout out to Clyde 2015. And, um, I know <laughs> Chad just gave me the thumbs down, but I know uh, I think Bruce Clyde 2015, 2015 too. Uh, you know, so um, graduated with uh, two other people in my senior year. My senior class was three of us. Uh, so I can safely say that I graduated top three of my class. Not going to tell you which, you know, part of the three I was in, but I graduated <laughs> top three. So that looks good on my resume. <laughs> I was dead last. I was at the bottom. I'm telling you what, I was at the bottom. Two ladies that was in my class, man, they were so, so smart. Um, but anyways, uh, I graduated from Victory 2015 and... Um, started you know attending lee university uh over at the charlotte center um in the of january of 2016 so i didn't start in fall but i started in the spring so i started january of 2016 at lee went there for two years unfortunately it shut down and then uh, i was really struggling between the two of what i was going to do if i was going to uh, try to, I wanted to be at Lee. I loved Lee. But I was like, am I at the point in trying to decide, am I going to go off to Cleveland and attend the campus there? Or am I going to go online? And, um, God, you know, prayed about it. And God really, uh, I felt led by God and him speaking to me and, and, and showing me things that I needed to, to stay where I was here at home and do online service. And, um, not online service, <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to do online education through Lee University online. And so I did that until I graduated. And man, I tell you what, graduation was the greatest thing ever. No, I didn't get to be a part of a ceremony because of COVID-19. But just the fact that I could wake up or I can go to bed on a Friday night and not have to think of an assignment I have to submit. And then no, right around on Monday, I had to submit another assignment. Man, that relief, that burden is gone thank you jesus is gone must be nice yeah one day brother i'm telling you one day and so i mean it was tough i'm telling you college is not for the faint of heart but it, it can be for everybody i think everybody can do it uh, if you just put your mind to it and so um i uh before i graduated though i graduated uh in 2020 actually but uh before i graduated um, I was still preaching, still teaching some. I was teaching Sunday school here at South to the youth, and uh, I decided, you know what, I want to, I want to pursue being a minister uh, and being licensed in the Church of God denomination. And so I, I, I talked to my my friend, my brother Adrian, and um, got to talking with him, and he was really helping me out with that uh, of telling me where to go and what to do. And so I got, you know, the information, got the packet, filled it out, sent it off. And then I got my textbooks and I studied, I studied and I studied. And in um, March of 2018, March or May, I think it's March, March of 2018, um, I went to the state office and uh, took my exam to get licensed in the Church of God, my exhorter license. The night before, I'm telling you what, I studied so hard. I thought my brain was going to explode. Never studied for anything uh, that hard in my life. Um, but, you know, the next day, me and Adrian actually rode up to the office, state office, and I took my exhorter's license exam. And I believe Adrian took his bishop's exam that day. Yeah, he took his bishop's exam. And so, thankfully, you know, praise God, we both passed and I got licensed 
in the Church of God, and Adrian got you know his bishop, uh, his bishop credentials, um, you know, and uh, from there, you know, graduated from from Lee. But not long after I got my license, started you know I was you know still going to South and um, had different opportunities to go preach at other churches and everything, and then I um, had a particular offer uh, to go to a church to be a youth pastor there at this church and uh, prayed about it, sought counsel, and uh, eventually I, I turned down the offer. I uh, just didn't feel like it was right, didn't feel like it was where exactly God was wanting me to go, and uh, continued to seek God, and I got to the point to where I just I just felt like, what am I doing, God? Like, what I got, I did this, I did that, where, you know, where am I, where am I going, what do you want me to do? And I just felt like I wasn't being used, uh, like, you know, I just felt like, I don't know, it just, just felt like God had kind of forgotten about me in a sense, and um, which he never does. God never forgets about us. If his eyes on the sparrow, man, he, he's watching He's watching over us for sure. And so um, I started praying, and, you know, Ray really ministered to me one day, and he was like, you know, God God ain't forgot about you, Alex, and he's just setting you up and for the things that's going to come in your life, and God wants to use you, this, that, and the other, and um, then I had a offer again to for a youth pastor at another church, um, and this one I prayed about and felt like it was the right move, and um, I started, I took the position. In 2018, uh, September of 2018, took the position at this church, and uh, I was working at the time at Victory, uh, the teacher there, and I was teaching and and helping out over there, and then I took on the the youth pastor position at this church, and I was there for about two and a half years or so, and um, you know if you listen to the previous one of the previous podcasts about the um, and sending anxiety back to hell, man. Chad talked about, you know, different points of our lives where we struggle with anxiety the most. Uh, that particular podcast kind of picks up in that two and a half years of while I was there. And now I am back home at South Gastonia Church of God, sitting across whoop, my whoop. lovely friend, Chad, my main man, my main squeeze. Uh, and uh, sad face, Michael, my other bro, is not here with us. Uh, to be a part, but um, back here at South, and man, God is doing, man, I'm, I've been back at South for two and a half, almost three months now, and man, God has been doing some amazing things in my life, and my family's life, opening up doors in my life that I never, you know, wouldn't um, think of, and just feeling God's presence and his power in my life, and um, you know, removing things from my life, removing relationships and friends, and then, you know, bringing on new relationships and new friends. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and reconnecting with some people that's been in my life for the longest time. Um, you know, I feel like I can't, I can't end my story without uh, really uh, thanking uh, people. And man, the list of people I could thank is so long, but I wouldn't do that. But I'm telling you, the major people in my life who has been there through thick and thin, always been there for me, uh, uh, my parents, um, my sister, and, you know, Miss Franklin uh, is like a spiritual mom to me. Uh, it's always been there for me, um, no matter what. Uh, Pastor Gilly has always been there for me. He is, I'm telling you, he is, he is the absolute man. And like I said, uh, you heard his name a lot in this story. 
uh, but he took, I mean, he had a major part of my life, uh, but Adrian, uh, man, I, I can't, I can't, I owe that man so much, um, and his ministry and, and, and taking me under his wing and pouring into me and being the big brother for me, uh, that I needed. Um, you know, so, I mean, so those, those are some people just, uh, to make the, the list short and, um, I could type it out and post it somewhere so people don't feel bad. Oh, well, you didn't mention my name. Well, I ain't, well you know, <laughs> it's hard to do that. I, I, I know, but, yeah. but it's, it's people that I really, really had a big impact in my life and got me to where I am today. And now it's 2021. I'm 23, going to be 24 this year, sitting here doing Lifeline podcast, something I never would have thought of happened. But like I said, it's one of the amazing things God has done in my life. And I'm so thankful for uh, who he is, where he has brought me from, um, the struggles, the trials, the tribulations, the addictions, the the, the issues that I struggled with. Uh, God showed up and showed out in my life like never before. And I'm so excited and I can't wait to see what God is going to do next, not only in my life, but in my church's life here at South Gastonia Church of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. If you're listening, I know that Alex sharing his story was a was a challenge for him. If you're if you're sitting here look like looking at him, you can tell he was nervous as crap. But at the same time, he overcame that to share a story. And I want to I just want to tell you that nothing in your story that you shared that you overcame will go void when it comes to this podcast. Because I guarantee you there are people out there that are dealing with things that are similar that deal with it. Maybe at the, they're at that age and they're dealing with yeah. some of the addictions that you had to deal with or you know some of the things you had to deal with. And they're like, okay, if he can get through this, then I can get through this too. And you know, we got to talking about you know you're reconnecting with old friends here at South. And um, me, I've known you for... <laughs> Since I started going to South, a long time. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I was four, almost almost ten years ago. Known you for a long time, and I'm telling you, and I mentioned people, but Chad has been a part of my life for the longest time. Really good friend of mine, really close friend. We never lost touch, even when I went out and, and left South and we took a position. Me and Chad has been been friends for a long time. And I think the but the past three months though, we have gotten like. Like, so much closer. So much closer. So much closer. I'm telling you. And I mean, just the fact that your home is has been amazing. I think we've repeated that a thousand times, yeah. but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Your home. Um, our our main reason in doing these stories is we mentioned is our our goal in Lifeline Podcast is to not be not to sugarcoat anything. We're not trying to be fake. We're not trying to hide stuff. We're trying to be real. We're trying to be transparent because that's what especially nowadays that's what people need right people need raw real advice issues mm-hmm. I mean stuff that not I mean when you get sugarcoating stuff is not going to get you to heaven yeah and avoiding situations is not going to get you to heaven I mean when, when you when you start to deal with like those sensitive issues mm-hmm. that Christians church people and non-christians are facing, then you start to uncover those things that help people get their breakthrough. And that's why we're doing these stories because we, A, want you to know who we are, but B, also want you to know who we were is not who we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that is who made us. Right. You know, and, you know, God, people always were like, well, why did God let you deal with that in the first place? And I'm like, you got to be careful because, I mean, you can't blame God for everything, but he does allow, mm-hmm. not that he did it, he didn't do it, 
but he does allow things to happen in our lives that build us, grow us, mold us yeah. into trusting him. Because, you know, we decide if we're going to stay there. He always has the out. Like, I mean, he gives us, he gives us, he gives the devil so much leeway. Mm-hmm. But he's like, all right, but you can't kill him. It's number one thing. But just being able to go through those things and know that God has never once left you and that he's made sure that you were going to be his is just, it's it's great. Yeah, it is. But, uh, like I said, we were taking a, taking a week off from um, our Sending Anxiety Back to Hell. We will be back next week with that. And we will have Michael back next week. Woo-hoo. I need my man with his coffee to come in here and spit some wisdom. Yes. <laughs> because it has been, I've, I hate doing these without him. But you know, scheduling conflicts happen to everybody. So yeah, we work our ways around it. Sometimes we record on a Monday. Sometimes it's on a Saturday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday. I mean, it's just it varies. Speaking of Tuesdays, Tuesday, Tuesday or Tuesday, Chew Tuesday. or two Tuesday. Okay, it's Tuesday. I said Tuesday. 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 All right. Okay. Tuesday. <laughs> hey, speaking of that day, Tuesday. Um, prayer meeting. Man, if you, if you, I, I know I said something last week about how far our podcast has gotten in reach. And it's like not a lot of, I mean, there's a bunch of people in North Carolina, but then there's a lot that's not. But if you are and you do or do not attend South Gaston Church of God, you have got to make it to a prayer meeting. Yeah, without, without a doubt. You don't understand how, how churches stay functioning and stay uh revived and renewed for so long it's through prayer and here at south we have prayer meetings every tuesday and thursday tuesday at 7 10 thursdays at 10 in the morning and um it's it's amazing uh what god's doing and you're talking about people who come in here and seeking revival especially in these last days and uh, getting together in one mind and one accord and seeking revival. And then while we're seeking for that revival and praying for that revival, man, God just blesses and pours out his spirit and his blessings on his people who are gathered together on those nights and healings are taking place. Deliverances are taking place. Breakthroughs are taking place. And people, you know, are, are joining in and however they can is to get to be a part of the prayer meetings and, we had a record-breaking attendance. For the past two weeks. For the past two weeks. Two weeks ago, we had a record-breaking attendance in a prayer 46. meetings. Of, say it again? 46. 46. In the previous, a week after that, we had a, another prayer meeting where the attendance that we just said of 46 was broken with 50. 50, 50 people in a, a, a 7 o'clock service on a Tuesday. And that doesn't sound like a lot of people, but let me tell you something. When we started, I mean, I'm not saying when we started this prayer meeting, but a year ago today, or maybe even two years ago today, we're down here in downstairs in the war room, and we had, sometimes you'd have attendance of like three or four. Yeah. We, I, it would be fantastic to see like 10 or 12 people here. Oh, yeah. On a Tuesday. And I remember those. I mean, I mean, God still worked in those without oh, a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Oh, yeah. And, but I'm telling you, if you see the services that we've been having 
the fire that is behind those services is fueled on Tuesdays. Yes. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yes. Because that's the day when people come in here. If you're coming to church on a Tuesday night, the most you have an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not coming here out of routine. You're not coming here just because you have nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. You're coming with an agenda to get a hold of God for Him to do what He's got to do. Yeah. And some things He does during the prayer meeting. Some things He'll do on that Wednesday. Some things He'll do on that Sunday or that Thursday during their prayer meeting in the mornings. But Tuesday is, I mean, I'm biased on Tuesdays because that's the only time I can make it because I work on Thursdays. But our prayer meetings in general... Have what been have what have fueled the fire for these services, and these services have been like mind blowing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely mind blowing. But um, next week we'll be back with our sending anxiety back to hell. Ooh. Don't forget it. Um, Can't wait. Just stay tuned. Listen to the Monday services because our, our Monday podcast, I should say, because they're recent services and. Um, this past Monday, I, I put in the continued part four of um, Adrian's Access Denied series. I was going to do something else, and somebody texted me and was like, man, I really need to hear that service again. And I was like, you know what? Okay, forget what I was doing. I'm putting that one in because it was so good. And he threw out a lot of good points in that, and Adrian has been on fire. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> but um, i trying to think what my <laughs> I hate this part. Well, I have something to put in there, though. What are you talking about? I do. Listen to the Monday podcast. But we will see you next Friday. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.